0: Welcome to the Book Club Interview with your host, Scott Hollister, a show that empowers you to discover your best self through a deep understanding and review of books dedicated to self-improvement and business. Welcome to the Book Club Interview. My name is Scott Hollister, your host. Today's guest is Craig Kurlop, who wrote the book, The House Hacking Strategy. Craig, welcome to the show today. How are you doing? Hey,
1: great, Scott. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate you.
0: I appreciate you coming on. We had a great conversation over at uh, Anson Young's meetup this year um, over in Denver. So got some great conversations talking about real estate and financing, all that good stuff. Before I get into it, do you want to tell listeners a little bit more about your history and where you come from?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I guess my story all started, I graduated from Northeast University, 2015, go Husky. And I moved out to California for a job that I actually, absolutely hated. And basically I was really fortunate to find this job because it basically allowed me at age 22, 23 to realize that I did not want to be working for the rest of my life. So I stumbled upon the financial independence, real estate, all of these things. And then I found bigger pockets. And you know, now I here I am today working at bigger pockets, writing a book for bigger pockets and investing in real estate so that I can achieve financial independence.
0: That's awesome, man. There you go. So, you took the jump. So, how scary was that jumping from the, the job out in California to pick up and move to Denver?
1: Man, I was so ready to get out of there. It actually was not very scary at all. Uh, and I, I actually knew no one in Denver when I first came over here either, but I just had confidence that I, I just felt so right and I knew it was going to work. So, yeah, not even a not even question about it.
0: That's awesome. That's good to hear. That takes some guts though, but uh it sounds like you're with the right company. Absolutely love Bigger Pockets, everything you're about, and it comes to fruition now that you're you're a published author. That's gotta be pretty exciting, right?
1: Yeah, that is exciting. I never never thought I would be there, but yeah. yeah, really, yeah. yeah humbled to be here for
0: sure. well, That's good. That's awesome. So let's talk about what are your uh you know, the you know, you're with the book you know, on house hacking. Uh, I think it's one of the most important strategies you could start in real estate. I definitely echo everything you said about it. Phenomenal book. So what was that first house hack for you and how did it change your life?
1: Yeah, so the first house hack for me, I moved to Denver in April, 2017 and I closed on my first property in June, 2017. It did not take me very long. I really just wanted to jump in and get started. So that property was a duplex, an up-down duplex, That is a mile and a half away from the office and just five blocks north of Denver's largest park in city park. And so what that duplex is, it's a up down and it's two, one bed, one bath units. And so I had rented the top out full time and I lived in the bottom half, but I rented out my bedroom on Airbnb and made a quasi bedroom out of like a curtain and a room divider put that in my living room, and I basically put on pre-count in my living room for a year to uh, make sure that property really, really worked for me. got the most out of it that I possibly could.
0: I love it, man. <laughs> I love that. The quasi-bedroom with the cardboard. <laughs> yeah. Was, That's cool, man. It
1: was interesting, and you know, it was actually kind of funny because a lot of people think that there's no way you'd do that, and I'm not trying to convince anyone to do that, but after the first week or two, it actually wasn't so bad. And I actually got to meet people from all around the world, which is really interesting. And I just had kind of like a revolving door of And some of those people I'm actually still in touch with today. So uh, it was good. I, I definitely wouldn't change the subject for that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I saw that in the book and um, a couple of interesting characters. sets. So you know, that's got to be such a, you know, a, a opener, right? Um, you know, getting people in your house, but I mean, that's how you create connections. I think that's the power of bigger pockets, right? It's connecting people across the globe, being able to connect, you know, with that common theme. So that's pretty cool. I mean, I think you taking a risk that young, right? You know, the house hacking is it's, it's not opportune, right? We're not, buying our dream house right off the bat. You know, it's a little bit of sacrifice up front that pays off a lot down the end. And I think you took it a step further, man. That's, that, that's great. So I'm sure it financially helped you a lot more, right? Trying to wipe out that housing cost.
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, my, my housing costs were 100% covered. I was actually profiting to live there for free. And yeah, and it also gave me that real estate experience. It was just such an amazing experience overall. It was such a unique experience too. Mm-hmm. And with regards to the risk, you know, my, mind, my mindset there was, you know, at the time, I was 24 years old, and I had nothing to lose. Right? I had a negative net worth. I had nothing but maybe a $500 laptop to my name. Mm-hmm. So what did I have to lose? Nothing. Right? And I was, a single, yep. I was single as well, so that also helped. But yeah, I just trying to take advantage of my situation.
0: That's great, and I just one of my first questions was, you know, why do you think the house hack is the best way to get started? And you just, you know, nailed off at least five. Um, In hindsight, now that you've closed, you know, after that property, and you're continuing to be a real estate investor, what do you think was one of the best takeaways of why house hacking is the best way to get started in real estate?
1: It just allows you to save up so much money. I Mm. would expect that most of your listeners here. Most their highest expense is likely going to be housing. Mm-hmm. And to eliminate that expense, you're talking for some people thousands of dollars a month, which translates like to twelve to twenty thousand dollars a year of savings, which you can then reinvest into more real estate, which then provides you that same return and you just start to really exponentially grow your net worth to a point that is above and beyond all of your peers. That's one Reason, right. So if you want to achieve financial independence in you know three to seven years, great way to go about doing it. The second way is if you want to get started in real estate investing and you want to start that career, I mean you're you're learning firsthand, and the best part is, is you don't really you know you're managing it while living there. So it becomes a lot easier than you know, having to drive across town or having to call someone to go check your property out for you. So it's just from those two regards, phenomenal way to start out.
0: No, that's great. And You bring back uh, some, some co- uh, Scott Trench uh, wisdom there. I remember Set for life right there. I, th- I love how he attacked that, you know, try to wipe out your living costs, which is one of the most costly living expenses we have monthly instead of that, you know, $5 Starbucks coffee.
1: 100%. You know, I,
0: I absolutely that. Yep. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: now, in terms of recommendations you have for a first-time house hacker, because you know, not only is just buying a house a very stressful and new time for most people, we're trying to buy an investment property on top of that, which you know, you know, you got to figure out expenses, how to manage. So, anything that you would do different now that you've been through that process?
1: So, one thing I did is I bought that duplex first because I really wanted a duplex, mm-hmm. but I realized that that strategy is probably not the best strategy. I've since transitioned to this buy a single-family home with 5% down so I wouldn't have to waste my FHA. And I could rent out the rooms separately and you make you can make way more from a cash flow perspective. Single-family houses tend to appreciate a little bit faster as well and they're much more liquid in terms that there's a lot more buyers out there for single-family homes. So I think if I had to do that over again, I would probably actually start with a single-family, but I actually did not even hear of that strategy at the time. And now that's kind of what I'm pursuing.
0: Interesting. And so that's your next purchase, right? You went from the duplex to the single?
1: Yeah. So exactly one year later, I closed. Because, you know, with any of these owner-occupied loans, you need to live in the property for exactly one year. So exactly one year later, I closed on my second property, which was a single-family home. It was a five-bed, two-bath, single-family home just outside of Denver, about it's like five miles north of Denver, 10 miles by bike, five miles by car. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I would have a close to the bike path because that is what I, I really valued riding into work. So I still ride my bike into work. And for so this time I had my own bedroom. I lived upstairs in one of the bedrooms, one of the crappier bedrooms, mm-hmm. and rented out the four other rooms. And I was covering my mortgage by well over $1,000 a month, living for free. Building equity in the property, the property was appreciating and still cash flowing all at the same time. And this time I had a home to live in, I had my own room, had a window, it had doors. Amazing.
0: That's cool, man. I love it. A little creativeness. Now, in terms of looking at numbers when underwriting a house hack, I'm sure the single family duplex are. A little bit different, but kind of the same things when it comes to, you know, capex cap items like roof, furnaces. What, do you, what are your main takeaways when you look to underwrite a deal?
1: So basically, it's really, really simple. People tend to confuse this a lot with a lot of different variables. But really, all you need to know is what your mortgage payment is going to be, and you can get that from your lender.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And eventually, you just kind of know what, what mortgage payment you'll receive. And then you need to know what you'll get for rent, right? And so if your mortgage payment is going to be $2,000, I personally would want at least twenty-seven, twenty-eight hundred dollars $2,800 in rent coming in while living for free. Mm. So that's kind of like the type of business I look for and those are what I see in Denver. And then you also want to set aside, you know, between typically $200 to $500 for reserves. And those reserves include vacancy, affect, um, you know, maintenance, all of that stuff tied into one number. So you just have one number to worry about and you just kinda of factor in, okay, how big is the property? The bigger the property, no, the bigger the property, it's likely gonna you know the roof is gonna probably cost you to get more into the place. If you gonna need more capex, there's gonna be more maintenance, and depending on location, you may have more or less vacancy. You just take all that into account and just adjust that number accordingly. And really it shouldn't be off by fifty or a hundred bucks. And even if it is, if your deals are that close, that's a problem. So that's why I shoot for 700 to to $1,000
0: over the mortgage. A little bit of buffer, a lot of safety net with the good reserves. That's awesome. That helps yep. protect them downside. And I think that was one of my biggest mistakes is, oh, the mortgage is this, rents this. Oh, we're good. But then when something breaks, you know, you don't want to be dipping too much in the savings. Um, and uh, I, I echo those wise words. Yep. So, so when it comes to... Better yeah. Yep. You know, Property management tips while house ha- house hacking. So, being in a duplex, renting out another other unit might be a little bit simpler. Do you have any you know common courtesy tips when it is you know a single family house hack under the same roof?
1: Yeah. So when when it's a single family house hack, you're not just a landlord; you're also a roommate. So, mm-hmm. and I would say eighty five percent of the time you're a roommate. So be respectful, roommate. Most of the time, chat with mm-hmm. them, but I wouldn't get too, too friendly just because then they think you can take it in. You know, there's just, if you you become too chill, there's easy ways to get taken advantage of. And sometimes you have to lay down the lock. And I've had to do that a couple times. And basically, I always just say, usually we're friends and we're roommates. But right now, my landlord hat is on and we're not friends and we're not roommates. And (laughs) this is how we're going to have this conversation. And I basically just preempt any serious conversation with like, I've got my landlord hat on. And that basically sets the tone, like, I'm not messing around. This is what it's about. And we're well, here to we get to the point. So then we can go back to being friends again. So, mm. yeah, you definitely have to play those boundaries. But again, if you're just communicative about it, it's literally almost impossible to miss a
0: That's great. No, part business, part friendship. Nice. Any um, good takeaways as opposed to one downfall? You'd see with the uh single family to a you know a duplex triplex or quad
1: yeah so the way the way the single family works is it's just the numbers work out way better in terms of cash flow mm-hmm. and again it's more i do really like the single family but the one downside is that when you do decide to move out eventually you're probably not going to want to rent by the room forever because it is more work for sure. you know having five different houses like having five different units mm-hmm. in terms of different leases People collecting rent from all that type of stuff. So, at some point, you're going to probably want to totally pull out of the single family and just either rent it out as a one whole single family unit or sell it. But if you decide to rent it out as a one whole single family unit, you're going to lose a lot of that rental cash flow. You just really need to make sure that it works both as a single unit as well as a rent by the mm.
0: oh, That's great tips now. Chapter two, love this part because this was uh, quite the fun at the beginning of uh, my relationship with my wife. But how to get your spouse on board. Absolutely love the tips. It was great. You have one of my favorite quotes in the book in that chapter as well. So what are some uh, good takeaways to get your significant other on board with the house hack?
1: Yes, this is definitely not an easy question. And certainly <laughs> it certainly differs depending on who your spouse is. Mm-hmm. And basically, I don't have a spouse but I know a lot of people that house hack with spouses and I've always asked them how they got each other on board. And typically it's, you plant the seed. Give them rich dad, poor dad. Have them read a few books. Rich dad, poor dad, set for life. Hopefully the house hacking strategy. And you basically just show them the numbers and show them how well it works and how how it can basically allow them to not work forever so then they can do the things that you guys like to do together. Right? I'm sure if you and your spouse wanna have kids someday, I'm sure you're gonna to want to spend 100% of your time with your kids. Well, if you have a job, you can't do that. If you house hack, you can't do that. You can get there much, much quicker. If you do this now, than if you, you know, even if you do the whole financial independence route, where you're just saving, saving, saving aggressively, that still takes 10 to 15 years. This takes much shorter than that. So that's one way. Two mm-hmm. is if you don't, if, if the kids and stuff isn't really a future and you guys a little bit, if you're more into the travel type scene, well, how about you take a six-month to eight-month vacation and travel by yourself and you would actually come back richer than when you left, right? Not many people can say they can do that, but again, and you want to do that when you're young because that's when you can stay in hospitals and, and do all these things for super cheap. You don't mind taking bus rides or whatever it is, but you can take these long travel trips. And yeah, so I would just tease, tease him or her with the reward and then show them how to get there through housing.
0: Perfect. I love it. I, I think that's the the tangible thing, you know, with the, with real estate in general. And then to get someone on board, it's once they see it in their hands, and it's not just something that's out there. Uh, it's definitely helps. So I love those tips as well. And yeah. in, in terms of speaking on the fire movement, so you just I don't know too much about it. I know it's pretty big out where you are in Denver. So. Is that just the saving model? You mentioned it quickly.
1: A lot of, so there's so many types of fire, but I would say the most conventional and basic is, yeah, you just are super, super frugal You save, 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 save. And you basically invest all of your savings into an index fund. The index fund provides you a return. And once the amount in your index funds is 25, but once you're, yeah, once, sorry, once the amount in your index funds is 25 times higher than your annual expenses you're officially financially independent, and that's mm-hmm. it. So it's crazy simple, absolutely doable. It's just unless you're, a, even if you're a doctor, you've got that kind of button and stuff. So mm-hmm. unless you're making an extreme amount of money, it's almost impossible to do this in like three to mm-hmm. five years. Their timeline is more you know, 10 to 12 years, which is still great. You know, if you're starting mm-hmm. at 24, you're going to be retired by 34, 35, no problem. So that is kind of how that's like the difference, right? With house hacking, you're going to get properties cashed from 500 or a $1,000 a month after three properties in three years, you're financially independent. Mm. So I pretty much went from a negative net worth on my first one. And when I closed on that in June, 2017, to financially independent now in September, 2019 was the three house hacks that I have because yeah. it made them work. Right.
0: No, that's, that's exactly the same thought. I mean, I, I think that's why we all love real estate so much is because anybody can do it and it happens quicker than you think once you do it right. And I love that. Now, in terms of financial independence, so what does that mean for you personally and what's your definition?
1: Yeah, so the definition is just basically a little definition is to have enough passive income to satisfy my expenses so that I can not work for the rest of my life and totally happy. Now, why I want to do that is because, one, I really want to travel and do those kind of things. So I'd love to take a years to travel. Two is it puts you in a position where you can play to win rather than play not to lose. So what I mean by that is most people who go to W2 jobs play not to lose because it's a very safe bet. Right? They come home, they have. They need that paycheck, and if they lose that paycheck, they, they're scrambling to find another job. Whereas when you're playing to win, I could go into a, a, a new a new startup company that I think that I really believe in their mission, take a $0 salary, work for 100% equity, and when that company sells in three to five years, cash out with millions and millions of dollars because that's how companies work. Whereas the average person will need to take their 70 to $80,000 salary, maybe a small portion. But that will amount to maybe thirty to $50,000 rather than the millions of dollars that you would if you could just take zero salary.
0: Mm. I love that. Shifting the power to you instead of the employer. You know?
1: Exactly. And it, it, also, you just have so much more negotiating power, too. If you don't need a job, you just want to job. up. Mm. There's just really almost no downside to it besides the work you have to put in up front. But honestly, it's pretty fun to start doing it.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I think the best thing that you mentioned, too, was you started with your definition, but then you attached your why right after it.
1: Yeah, I think you need to have a why that's greater than I want to be rich. or I want to have a lot of money because that won't be sustainable. You need something that is just beyond the power of money to really keep you going and keeping you waking up in the morning to actually achieve the goal.
0: Mm-hmm. So from what I'm gathering from our conversation, it sounds like you're a huge traveler. So is, you know, is that, so you've mentioned a few times, financial freedom, travel the world. So what are some great places you've been and what are some places that you want to hit? Uh,
1: oh man, yeah. So yeah, have my favorite subject. Uh, yeah, so I mean, <laughs> some of the some of favorite places I've been to are, you know, I went to Diving in the Galapagos, which is just absolutely incredible. Uh, you've got, I've done Machu Picchu, went to Buenos Aires, which is an amazing place did some time in Southeast Asia, did some dive in there, went rock climbing, and there were like monkeys all around those rock climbing, did a Euro trip throughout Europe, saw all those like ancient cities, Rome, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, there's just so many places that I'm, I'm going to absolutely go back to because those were faster trips because I only had really a month to do everything in that part of the world. So mm-hmm. again, I'd rather take like six to eight months and take my time, get some of the locals a little bit better, kind of get integrated in the community. So I don't know if there's like, I want to go everywhere, right? So I couldn't just say like, I want to go here next. I would like yeah. to do some slow travel next, where I actually really kind of can get embedded in the in the culture, maybe learn Spanish, that kind of stuff. Cool, man.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So what's the uh, financial freedom? Is it a is it amount of cash flow or is it a number of properties that you've kind of found what works for you out in Denver?
1: Yeah, for me, for me it's really just how much income am I generating for my properties of what my expenses are. Mm-hmm. what my expenses would be in the next term in the next step of my life, right? Which I expect yeah. will be which I expect at this point will be travel. So I know that my real estate could sustain my traveling pretty much forever. And I also got a nest egg too, just in case something happens or whatever, right? Like I wouldn't say like you want zero dollars in the bank and just all this passive income. You still want to have a little bit of savings before you go because you know things do happen. Unexpected unexpected expenses do occur. So
0: Hmm. No, that's smart. And I love I love how you said that because I started at first. I'm like, okay, all I need is this, this, and this. Got married, started talking about kids, and then insurance. And I'm like, okay, that just quadrupled.
1: <laughs> yeah, insurance is ridiculous.
0: <laughs> oh, yep. Oh, I know. <laughs> but um, no, that's good. Because I it's it's so it's so tangible, it's so real. And I love how you said, you know, mention to your spouse or someone that you know you're with to to read at Portax. It's exactly what happened. It's like that book really just, it switches something in your head, even though it's not really great about details, how to get there, but it kind of just challenges you to think differently.
1: Yeah, super, like super high level, but it's so well written and easy to read and it's like a fun read because it is a bit of a story at the same time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's an incredible book. If you haven't read it, I think it's the number one best to personal finance book of all time and reasonably so. So yeah, definitely pick that up.
0: Yeah. So watch out half seconds coming behind that though. So we'll, uh, we'll get that one up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If only.
0: Yeah. So before we wrap things up, so I just want to, you know, quick reach out. So how about writing the book you want to tell listeners a little bit more, you know, about your writing style um, you know, how the outline is and just a quick, you know, 10,000 foot overview.
1: Sure. Yeah. So basically my writing style is, is, pretty much kind of like a top, you know, it's very easy to read. I'll throw a couple jokes in there. Very light read. It won't, Again, I think you'll be able to breeze through it pretty quickly. The way the book is laid out is that the first couple chapters are going to explain what financial independence is, how you can get there in just a few short years, and why house hacking is such a powerful tool to get there, and why it is frankly the best investment tool, including how you can just get returns of well into 100% plus on every single deal that you do. Hmm. And by return, I mean where that encapsulates Know, the cash flow, it encapsulates the loan pay down, it encapsulates the appreciation of property, all of those things based on your down payment that you put down. Usually you'll get your entire down payment back within a year, which is the definition of a hundred percent return. I mm-hmm. we'll talk about all that. And then there's also and then I'll go into the details, but okay, how do you screen for tenants? How do you find how do you find the neighborhood to invest in? How do you find the right property to invest in? What house hacking strategy works for you? How do you screen tenants? How do you set up your short term rental? That's kind of, you want to do the Airbnb type route. How do you manage all these things? All of these things are all in the book in very good detail. And there's also, at the end of each chapter, I have a case study of basically N or maybe it's 14 random, at the end of each chapter, so how many chapters there are? I think there's 14 chapters. There'll be 14 case studies of normal people who have house and I, and have done so successfully. And I'll tell you that I did not interview a single person that have not done it successfully. So Mm. 14 for 14, if you include me, it's 15 for 15. (laughs) You know, and and Scott, it seems like you had done it and if it was a success for you, it just seems to work almost every time if you know what you're doing. So if you're doing this research, then you likely know what you're doing.
0: Correct. Yeah, this is is a phenomenal book. I wish this was written before I bought mine because I think it would have just sped up my education curve a little bit more. And those, you know, end of the chapter case studies were a nice touch. I love how you put those in there.
1: Yeah, and again, with almost every other person as well, you'll see that it's not about the money. It's all about the lie, And the lie has nothing to do with money in most of these cases. So again.
0: Well said. I love it. All right, Craig, before we wrap things up, you want to tell listeners a little bit more where to find you and a best place to purchase the book?
1: Yeah, for sure. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm at TheFiGuy, P H E F I G U I. You can also find me on Facebook, or bigger pockets. And you can find the book if you go to www.biggerpockets.com slash house. And that's pretty much it.
0: Awesome, man. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for coming on, Craig.
1: Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate you having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this show of the book club interview with your host, Scott Hollister. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on the book club interview.